And uh, how are you doing, young lady? I step up here with me. I think maybe I have jet lag, but I'm okay. Um, I went out to see my daughter and her family, and we had prayed last week. And being in the flesh, I expected this awesome miracle to happen before my eyes, <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> and I tried to get Simon to call so I could hold the phone up to my grandson, and it didn't work out. And yep. I tried with one phone, it didn't work out. I tried three and times. And I think somehow <laughs> I maybe God was trying to tell me, you've studied under Simon for a long time now. You're a big girl. So I led him in the sinner's prayer. I had him break soap, ties, curses, everything I've learned. And he had no problem saying Jesus or anything. So God showed me that part of it was learned behavior, that he spoiled big time. But um, he goes from this little sweet, darling, polite little thing to this screaming, kicking, biting, cussing, I don't know what. And so in one of his quieter moments where I was able to touch him, I laid hands on him, and I, I, he was in the car getting sleepy, thank God. And um, I, did, I said, repeat after me, and he seemed sincere. So it's between God and him how much God thinks he knows what he was saying. He's almost ten. And... Um, I rebuked the demons. I, I did everything I could think of. And he said it all until he was like, okay, what else do I have to say? Leave me alone. But um, the last day, I said, God, this is my last chance, and I got a chance to be alone with the kids. And I said, all right, I'm calling in on my markers, God. I'm blood relative. I'm prayed up. I'm, and, and I just put a blessing on their marriage, on their house, on the family. I asked them to, to heal them from top of their head, every one of them. My grandson has part of his brain missing, and I get tired of hearing that, because I know God can fix that. And so I prayed, God, put the parts in there that's missing. You're not partial. If you'll do it for a son's family, you'll do it for mine. And so um, my daughter wanted me to move there, and God hasn't given me an answer. Well, he gave me an answer. He said, wait and see what happens to Curtis. And at first I thought, oh, no, he's going to go in a home, you know. And God said, that's not what I said. I said, wait and see what's going to happen to Curtis. And he showed me the other way. It could go the other way. And so I did what you said about praying, going to the third heaven and send workers, just the right ones. So my, my stepson, I mean, my son-in-law, went to the barber. He's a rock star with this long hair. The barber said, for some reason, I feel I'm supposed to give you this. And he gave him a New Testament for new Christians. So my prayers are already started. And I know that you all prayed in agreement with me. And God is just beginning. But they wouldn't listen to me. My daughter said, I don't want to hear it. She still don't want to hear faith healing and all this. She said, you think your church is better than mine? You think the people in your church pray better than my people? I just I didn't say that. But she just clammed up, and so I went the other route. I went to the third heaven, and I said, God, I'm, I'm doing everything you've taught me, and now it's in your hands. But I know that he's got something to work with now. I'm a fired-up grandma, and he don't know who he's dealing with. So I believe 
that everything I prayed for, the blessings and everything on that household, is going to come to fruition. Amen. Where I couldn't do it, you couldn't do it, God can do it. Oh, that's right, Amen. Praise the King. Glory. Hello. Uh, last uh, week I was on the up in Wisconsin, and I was uh, I stayed home from work and and I went down town. I was go to Walmart and I said I want his, uh, his CDs, so I listened to his CDs. So I was sitting at the Walmart parking lot, and I was listening to that a guy was saying that I have to have faith, and so I was listening there and I had, had two two years ago I had an accident, a horse ran over me and and I hurt my hip and my left side, right side was always messed up and I always had to go to the chiropractor and stuff. So uh, I just, all of a sudden I started crying. I said, I have to have faith. So I prayed to God that he give me faith and heal me, my head to, head to my toes. And all of a sudden I felt this warm healing coming right down my head, it, down to my toes. And, and, uh, and ever since that, I didn't have my, I have no problems. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord, brother. Glory to God. You got one, Sherry? Come up here. Come up here, girl. Come up. You got one. You're jumping up and down, throwing your hand up. I know you want something. Jesus did something for you. He did something awesome. <laughs> we, uh, last uh, Thursday, not this past one, but the one before, well, Don Busby, uh, he gave, he came and taught. So when everybody left, well, Dave and I were, were kind of getting things rounded up, you know, and he said, I want you all to pray with me. And we said, okay, because he had these two marks on his face. And I'd already thought... And you know what those marks were. Yeah, they were yeah, cancer. yeah, and Dave, Dave said, he said, well, the Lord's already spoken to me about what that is. And he said, it's cancer. And he said, I know, but it's not staying there. He said, I know. He said, I just wanted you all to pray with me. So we did, and Dave did the prayer, and he said something about burning off... The Lord's going to burn that off. And uh, anyway, it gave a time and everything. So anyway, he How came. How long had he had those? I don't know. but he, years. He, and he had been in, and they were going to do surgery. They, they were ready to do surgery because they already took biopsy and said it was cancer. So he, he said he gave his testimony Thursday night, and I didn't know. He said, he said y'all, my faith was kind of going low. It would just go low. And he said, he kept looking at that. You know, he said, no, it was supposed to burn off. And it just was looking the same. But then finally, one morning he got up and, and he looked and those little things sticking out. And he said it just dropped off and there's pink skin. And the other one, and praise God, he's healed in the name of Jesus. You got another one? I know that one was so powerful, that man called me himself and told me that. He said after Dave and Sherry prayed with him, the next, uh, fact, he said, Dave said those things would be burned off and gone by Saturday. And he said, I woke up Saturday and they were still there, but I said, I'm not wavering. Dave prayed it, he said it, it's done. So he said, Sunday, they didn't look quite so bad, but he said, Monday morning I got up and I walked in and touched one, the one under my neck fell off. I reached up and touched one on my nose, it fell off. And he said, the only thing left was beautiful pink skin underneath it. So praise the king. What a God we serve, right? Awesome. I just wanted to encourage most of you because all of us, we come here because we hear about testimonies of what things miraculously happened, like the gentleman back there. Miraculously felt the difference. 
of receiving in faith. And some of us, when we grab hold of the truth, it takes, you start, you start on the run, you start working with it, you start learning the truth, and you start walking, and all of a sudden, things happen, things fall apart, and you know what it is. If you have any bit of training, you know there's an attack from the devil. This last week, I got to talk with someone briefly, and they just started getting hold of the truths, and I think they were at it for about five, six months. And, um, and what was really frightening was the next day, she, I was talking to her, but the night before, her husband had been so much under attack. He said, I'm done. I'm going to just be a normal Christian. I'm done trying to fight because it's too expensive. People still get to heaven. And so we encouraged each other about standing in faith over your husband and, and, and just encouraging him to be the man of faith without condemnation. And meanwhile, she had seen miracles where they had prayed with um, someone who had brain cancer, a brain tum- tumor, and within two weeks it had dissolved. But yet the devil was really attacking them. And I had forgotten in our own work, we got here almost, I guess, over a year ago, just barely a year ago. We started, we, came, we knew we were supposed to be healed. We knew we were supposed to walk it, but for the first time we met someone we could handle, listen. Yeah. And we kept hearing all these miracles that happened, and we keep trying it and keep trying it. We got so fed up. We almost want to say, God, where else can we turn? You're the only one that has the words of life. We're going to keep doing it. And the problem with it is sometimes we came to church out of desperation just to hear encouragement from other people who had testimony, everybody. And your encouragement by your little testimonies, how little ever you thought they were, were of great benefit to encourage us. Um, and I had forgotten, now a year later, we're getting so we're getting a roll of it. We've got little testimonies now that we can use to encourage people. But it was kind of neat to see that I'd forgotten how much we came almost out of duty for God. We didn't know how to love him through some of it because the attack was so strong. You know, a lot of you know in this walk, don't give up. Amen. That's what I'm telling you, don't give up. I don't care how hard it is. And even though you don't get these miraculous testimonies yet, where you laid hands on somebody and they got up, got better, where your back and your body just was instantly healed, keep it up. Praise the Lord. She asked me if I wanted to talk too. Oh, you talked enough. (laughs) No, I just wanted to give God glory because for those of you who have been here for a year, you've seen what what my skin has done. Uh, I guess it's my skin. It's the devil attacking it. But it's, it's, it's my body. Is that right? Okay. And it belongs to the Lord, but I hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so, Father. <laughs> so I just wanted to give God glory because several people have come up and said my face and my skin looks so much better than it used to. And, and for those of you that don't know, I, that was a struggle I had all my life since birth. And then walking in about three years ago, beginning to understand that God intended for us to be healed and still fighting it, still trying to figure out how to get healed. Um, then coming in here, hearing Thurman and Wendell, and they're having miracles every day, and I'm going, well, Father, chop, chop, you know. <laughs> so for those of you that are still, that are battling your own stuff, that it's either seen or unseen, stay in the Word. It, uh, it, the King will heal you. He will do it. But uh, you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise that He gave you. Okay. Hebrews 10, 35, and 36. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. All right. Amen. That's okay, buddy. Glory. 
I, I told him where that was found when he quoted that verse. I told him where it was found. He said, I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to show you up. I said, okay. <laughs> oh, we got another testimony. Praise the Lord. Come on up here, brother. I thought we were through. I was fixing to preach. Let me turn that on for you. Okay. It's working. My name is Greg Drysdale. I've been coming here since, I guess, late February. Um, about almost a year ago, my brother was exposed to a tape by Thurman Scribner. <laughs> and we've been Christians for about 25 years, and, and mostly in, in Baptistic traditions. And so all of this was very foreign. And I've known the Scriptures, if I may say humbly, quite well. We were, my brother and I, very diligent students of Scripture. But our eyes had been hid from these Scriptures. And I could stay up here an hour, and I won't do that. I'm only going to take about maybe five minutes. <laughs> but one of the most amazing things just happened to me three weeks ago. And I have some more testimonies that are in the works, and they're going to come, and they're amazing. But I have one son. He's 19 years old. And... As a Baptist, I had known a number of Christians all my life, uh, some people that I witnessed to and various, uh, various others who made professions of faith and followed strongly for a while but fell away into sin permanently. And it was a devastating thing to me. And, and my wife was only able to have one child, and we had this one child. And so I never, maybe perhaps wrongfully so, but... In my earnestness to see my son blessed, I never pushed a profession of faith on him. I committed him to God's hands, and I, I wanted, if he ever converted, I wanted it to be genuine, and I wanted to know that he wouldn't end up like many of the people I had seen that, that followed for a while and fell away. I'm sure you're familiar with the parable of the sower, or the tares and all that. But anyway, my son is almost 19 years old. He turns 19 next week. In the last year, I'd grown very concerned about him. We'd homeschooled him. And I'm not going to go into any details of his problems and the, and the details of this out of respect to him. But I grew very concerned. But at the same time, I was growing in faith in all of this and amazing things happening, just amazing things that God was showing us. And I heard what Scribner was saying about these trips to the third heaven. And I was very familiar with Hebrews 4.16. And I thought, well, there it is right there. So I had begun doing that months ago, sometimes for my son and also for others. And I'm here to testify to you, especially if you're a background like I have where you're very skeptical, that this is real. And there is a battle going on. And three weeks ago, Saturday morning, I, and for about the last six months, God has blessed me, and, and it was through the influence of your ministry. I heard a tape by Scribner where he said, talked about how he got up early every morning and prayed, and I thought, I used to do that. So I started doing it again, and I make it generally my practice whenever I can. I get up 4 or 5 a.m., and I head to this park. And before I get to that park, I ask the Lord to send angels to clear it out that no one will disturb me, no one will part by me, no animal will disturb me, and no demon interrupt my fellowship with him. And so far to this day, it has never happened. I go to that park and it's empty. 
and maybe once in a while a car might part way off. But the Lord always gives me my time for him, and generally it's, it's in the early morning hours when it's still dark. Well, that Saturday morning I went. I parked the car and I began to pray, and I went before the throne of grace and worshipped. And the first thing that came to my mind was my son's face. And I began to pray for him again, but then I felt within my spirit to call Satan in. And I said, Lord, this is you. Did I really do this? And again, I felt that prompting. So I did. I called Satan before his throne. But let me back up just a minute. Before I did, as I began to pray, all of a sudden, a crow, and again it was dark and my eyes were closed, probably lodged suddenly. I heard him coming in the distance. And he was just going, Caw! 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 Real loud. And he, he lodged in a tree, about, I guess, about ten feet from me, judging from the distance. And he was horrendously loud. And I said, Father... This animal is disturbing my peace with you. May your angels drive it away. And it kept doing it. Just a steady caught. Very loud. Very, it was very unnatural. I've never seen any disturbance like that ever since I've been going to this place. So I asked one more time. I said, Father, may your angels drive this away. And instantly that bird went berserk and started... I, I can't even describe it. It was just like in hysteria. And then I began to hear it fade, you know, the kind of Doppler effect. It just faded in the distance. But the whole time it was just acting maniacal as it faded off. And I knew that the angels had driven it away. And then it hit me that that was Satan, or demon, trying to distract me. And I believe they knew that something was going to happen that morning, and they were trying to prevent it. Well, anyway, I called Satan before the throne. And I told him, I said, Satan, you know who I am and that I stand here in Christ Jesus. And I have authority, and I quoted Luke ten nineteen, And I commanded him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to release my son. And I told him, my son is an elect child of God, chosen from before the foundation of the world, and his time has come. You must release him now. And I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. I did it much more forcefully than this. Well, anyway, I prayed about other things. We're not in a glorious time of worship and fellowship with the Lord. And I felt very peaceful. And I believed. And I went home. And I don't know what time it was. Maybe it was around noon or something. But I'm not going to get into detail here. But to cap this story, my son came before me. And to my amazement, I mean, I believed, but I had no idea that the Lord would move so quickly. And he broke before me. And he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he's, he's been going here for the last three weeks with us. He's over there in the corner. Jason, you want to stand? I haven't talked to him about baptism yet. So we'll be discussing that about baptism. But anyway, I just want to let you all know, and now I tell you what, I'm like, I feel a faith and a power that I, I just can't explain, and I am taking people before that throne, and I want to encourage you all to do so. Amen. If you have, and especially mothers and fathers, I, I was talking about this with my brother, 
And I thought, you know, it's so strange that it just happened so easily with my son. And we were listening to a tape by you last night where you mentioned that sometimes with these third heaven things, you really have to battle. Some of these demons are stronger, some not. And I wonder if you've raised your child in the Bible and raised him under a godly influence, which we did, I believe it hinders the work of Satan and these demonic activities. And so in a sense, I don't wonder if it is an easier victory for our children if we have raised them, as the Lord told us, to have them delivered. But I never realized the power that the Lord had placed within our hands as parents. So I just want to encourage you all, and I hope this testimony will, will give those of you who are skeptical some strength and some courage to go try these things. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord, brother. Glory to God. This is the last one. Don't nobody else come up. This is it. Okay. I really have to share that with you. Your son says a lot of things on these tapes and in person, and sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. Well, this one day, I can't remember tape or person in person, he said that he was taking communion every day. Well, till then, I thought you could only take communion in the church or in a Bible study. I didn't know you could do that at home. Well, I started doing that probably about two months ago in July. And I, let me tell you guys, it's so easy to take communion at home. You can do it in one minute or in you know, whatever you want to do. It's no big deal. You just take a little grapefruit juice and grape juice and a cracker. And guess what? I'm using a shot, little shot glass. I just have it. It gives me a kick, you know. <laughs> I'm kicking Satan. Because I don't want to take a big glass. I take a little shot glass that I bought originally to eat soft-boiled eggs out because I couldn't find any egg cups. So every time I'm kicking Satan, it's wonderful. Secondly, because of that, also now I'm, ah, oh, my prayer life has just increased. It's so awesome. I never really cared to pray too long in the morning if I was going to go to work. I would do that in the middle of the night. Well, guess what? It's awesome. I pray for, an, I, I could pray for two hours. I just, I just don't have really, well, I have to get up earlier, I guess. But anyway, make it now at least. It's awesome. Thirdly, my daughter and my mother just were just at odds with each other for three years now, at least. They wouldn't talk to each other. My mother, daughter said, I don't want any money from her, blah, 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 blah. Then she sent money for her daughter. I, she wanted me to send it back. It was really awesome. My mother was always also the same. And um, my mother got upset with her because she, she defend, my daughter defended me once, you know, in a letter. But anyway, guess what? My daughter, two weeks ago, she said to me on Friday, um, Mommy, I think I'm going to write to Grandma. I nearly, you know, fell off my chair. And then two days later, my mother calls me and she says, I think I'm going to send some money for Samara, my daughter, so she can take a trip to Switzerland. You're telling me this is not the Lord? God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've been in the church all my life. I've never had any testimonies. And now I've got a problem with so many testimonies, I ain't got time to preach. <laughs> Glory to God. That's all i got to say. Praise the King. Praise the King. Praise the King. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we read your word today, I ask you to reveal to us the truth of your mighty word, the depth of it, Lord, the depth of your word, so that we can understand who we are and we can do what you tell us to do. So we'll understand this word in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. I will have to say, when I learned to make them trips to the third heaven, like Brother Drysdale said there, praise God, I began to see the Lord do some awesome things. I'm telling you, 
Now, some of you have heard me. I mean, I've walked into places where people were using profanity. I've caught myself up to the third heaven, commanded the devil, stop that. I've walked into a place with a thousand people in it. The profanity was everywhere and taken authority in the name of Jesus and never heard another word of profanity. It's amazing what you can do from the third heaven when you realize who you are and what you can do in the name of Jesus. Praise God. But anyway, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I misunderstood this verse most of my life. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I don't know how many times I've read this, and I'd question, what does this mean? I believe I now know what this means. I may not still have all the revelation on this, but let me read this to you. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. You've got to be a member of the faith before you can depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Let's think about that a minute. Just that one verse to start off with, let's think about it. I used to think I knew and understood what faith was. If you would ask me, 25 years ago as a Southern Baptist deacon, Sunday school teacher, do you have faith? I'd have said, sure. I have faith. I didn't know how to spell it. I mean, I'm serious. You know, I mean, I didn't know what it was. You think you know what faith is, but you don't. And I'm not sure I know what it is today. But I do know I'm a whole lot further along today than I was before. I know I've stepped into a whole new world, a whole new realm of faith, and even like Cheryl said the other day, she says, you know, I thought I had faith until I stepped into your world. She said, when I became intimate with you, living in the house with you, she said, I realized I don't know what the word means. See, she thought she was getting there. Well, you can only imagine, what if I were to step into the home of somebody like Smith Wigglesworth? I'd probably think I didn't have any faith. You all know where I'm coming from? You know, so it's a, it's a realm that we grow in every day. We grow in faith every day. But you got to think, I started out with zero faith at one time. You started out with zero faith. When we begin to develop faith a little, and thank goodness today there is a, at least some denominations preaching that you have to be saved by faith. It's by the blood of Jesus. And some of those denominations, which I came out of one of those, does a very good job and you can hear a good message on salvation almost any Sunday in a Baptist church. And I believe with all my heart, most of the people in those churches do have enough faith to be saved. But they don't have faith for nothing else. They have faith to be saved, and that's all. That's where I live most of my life. But the Lord says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times. That's the times we're living in right now. Amen. The latter times. He says, That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe with all my heart that some is the majority of the church today. Because I don't believe the church knows what faith is. I run into so few people that knows what faith is. Now, I think about this when it says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now, if you believe and know the truth, 
It says, if you believe and know the truth, for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Yesterday I stopped to have a little bite to eat, and when I did, I thought about the people all around me. Obvious, none of them knew this verse. None of them. Because I sat there for 45 minutes and, and had a bite to eat, drank a couple extra cups of hot tea and everything while I'm just observing what's going on. And not one single person that came in that restaurant, not one, acknowledged God in no way, form, or fashion. Not one of them thanked God. Not one of them thanked Him for what they drank. Not one of them thanked Him for what they ate. Nothing. They were just like a bunch of pigs led to the slaughter. You know, nobody thanked God for nothing. I thought either there's not a single Christian in this bunch or none of them have ever been taught this scripture. But it says that the Spirit speaks that in these last days some shall depart from the faith. There's a man quoted me a scripture a while ago when I walked in. This wasn't on my agenda today, but it was such a great scripture. I'm going to pass by it. And it was in Jeremiah 17. Now, I, this is just, he just, obviously God give him that one for me. And I thought that's, this will fit perfect in what I'm going to talk about today. Jeremiah 17, 5. He said the Lord was really dealing with him on this scripture. 17.5 Thus saith the Lord This is not me talking. This is the Lord. That's what my scripture says. Thus saith the Lord. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Now I'm going to give you an example, and and uh, let's go over to Second Chronicles. Sixteen. Second Chronicles sixteen. I want to show you what happens, how a man is cursed when he trusteth in man. Second Chronicles sixteen eleven. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceedingly great, yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physician. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Think about that. Who did he trust in? Trusted in man. I think about the people that I minister to that have been to the doctors with whatever problem they had, and when they went to the doctor, 
they say they think they're trusting in God. But they go to the doctor, like a lady yesterday at the healing school. She said, I want you to pray for me that this tumor I got will be gone by Thursday. I said, why are you putting a limit on God, ma'am? She said, because I got an appointment with the doctor Thursday, and if it's gone, it'll prove to the doctor that God's still real. I said, forget it. I said, I, I saw a little baby raised up off of her deathbed. Her face healed in two weeks. I saw every scar and cut in her body put back together. I saw a brain stem reconnected. I saw blind eyes reconnected. I saw a little girl that had her knee crushed and her leg broken, left leg in two places. And I saw that little girl put back together by faith. And I said, I told them what God was going to do. And after they saw it and saw her healed and saw her walking, all they could say was, somebody bigger than me put her back together. But they would not acknowledge it was God. I said, ma'am, them seeing a little tumor gone, it's not going to convince them. I said, faith does not come by seeing miracles. I said, if faith come by seeing miracles, I said, the children of Israel would have had the greatest faith there ever was. There's never been a race of people that has seen what that race of people saw. I mean, they watched the blood, the river turn to blood. I mean, they saw the night at the edge of the land they were living in. They looked and it was pitch black. They could come up to the edge of their land. They could stick their arm in that and it was pitch black. You couldn't see nothing, but yet the sun's shining right here. That's kind of a unique miracle, wouldn't you think? And then they saw the lice and the frogs and, and all the different plagues. And then they saw the firstborn of all the cattle and, and children and everything die. They saw everything they saw. And I said, then they saw the cloud by day and the, the fire, the pillar of fire by night as a light. And it led them out to the Red Sea. And then they went across the Red Sea. And then, yep, they saw hundreds of feet tall walls of water. And it was clear, and I can imagine them looking, seeing the fish inside there, swimming along inside there. They can see all this. And yet they're walking on dry ground. I don't know, if, you know, today if I were to see that, I'd have to walk up and say, there's got to be a glass there somewhere or something. You'd have to tap on it. But when you tap on it, your arm goes in there. There's water in there. Now, that'd have to be some kind of a supernatural miracle. Don't you know some of them out of the millions of people that run across that? Don't you know them kids went over, stuck their hand in, reached and grabbed them fish? Don't you know they had to? Any child would do that, right? Look here, Mama. There's a fish coming right there. Look at there. Reach in and get him. You know? And they saw all that. I mean, they, they saw that. And then they come across on the other side, and then they saw the sea come back out right smooth, and all of Pharaoh's army was killed. And then they come up to the land of promise. And the Lord says, guys, go in and possess the land and I'll go with you. We'll take this land. This is yours. I promise it to you. It's the promised land. But they wouldn't believe it. They got to send a little group of guys out there to check it out. We just can't believe God. So they sent these men in and these men come back and they said, whoa, there's giants in the land. It would be better if we had died in the wilderness. By this time, they ticked off the king. He said, out of your own mouths will I judge you. You said it'd be better if you'd died in the wilderness? 
into the wilderness and you're going to die. But I'm not going to let you die instantly. I'm going to let you walk around out there in that hot sand for 40 years. You're going to suffer because you didn't believe what I said. And he was very unhappy with them. And because of their unbelief, none of them entered his rest. And of course, he comes over to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and says, don't you go there. These things were written as examples for you and me so we don't live in unbelief. But where do we live today? Unbelief. Unbelief. I think about how in my own family, my brother-in-law, the man that married my sister, the one that got killed in a car wreck when she was 21 years old, when he married her, of course, come into our family, and of course, over all these years, even after my sister, a few years later, five or six years, whatever, they was married, and she was killed in a car wreck, and then five or six years later, he married another lady, and they've been married all these years since then. Of course, he's been a part of my family all these years because, you know, those three sons that he had, they were, you know, my nephews, and I've been very close to those three boys. Those three boys have turned out to be wonderful young men of God, wonderful young men of God. But I think about they were born to my sister, which was a very powerful young woman in the Lord. So all three of them young boys became powerful Christians. He wasn't a very good Christian, and when he married the second woman, she wasn't a very good Christian. And every time I go to their home to talk to them and start talking about Jesus, she starts crying. But they won't do nothing about it. They won't do nothing about it. And so they had two children of their own. Now, neither one of them are very strong in the Lord. So neither one of those second set of children follow the Lord very close. Isn't that amazing? None of, neither one of them, two of them. There's five, chi- five children, five of them come out of the same daddy, three of them come out of one mother that was a strong believer, then three kids are strong believers. The two that came out of a not very strong believer, they're not very strong believers. But I thought this weekend, and I've been so busy, I haven't even had time to call, but the other night my brother-in-law called. Now, whenever he heard Caitlin and Kelly had been in the wreck, and everybody said that they thought Caitlin was going to die. On the way up there, he said, I, one of my nephews told me, said, Robert said, Thurman's got everything under control with his God. He knows me that well. He knew what God would do. And he saw my grandbaby healed. He saw Kelly healed. He saw all those other things healed. And then the other day, he's on the way up there. He calls and said, by the way, we're coming to Dallas. I said, what for? He said, well, I'm just barely getting where I can walk again. I just had both knees uh, replaced. You think he called me to ask me to pray for him one single time? No. And he said, my wife was just hit rusty. said, we're coming up there. She's got cancer. And said, she's bleeding around both of the nipples on her breast. And so when she found this, they checked her, and it's very serious. So she's going to have to have both breasts removed. And I thought, are you going to ask me to pray for you? Are you going to ask me to pray for her? Not one time did he ask for nothing. He just said, we're coming. What does unbelief do to us today? How does faith come? By hearing the Word of God. 
Now, that is so tragic to me that that family, which is that close to me, every Sunday, if you want to know something about a horse and a play day, you ask Robert. He knows. You want to find out who's got the best horses in the country? He's probably got 60 of them. You want to know who's one of the most played is and every kid he had, every one of them? You can walk, they have a room in their house that's probably as big as a huge den, and from the floor to the wall, anywhere from six to ten deep is nothing but trophies and plaques and ribbons. Thousands of them. I walked in his home the other day, had seven brand new saddles packed in his bedroom. Where'd you get all them saddles? Oh, we win them at these play days. Every time we go, we win one or two of these beautiful golden saddles. They're the best. How's that going to help you when you come down with cancer? Don't help you at all, does it? How's it going to help you when your knees are both wore out? He is my age. He is my age, and here he is, both knees replaced. Now his wife, which is younger than me, have both of her breasts cut off, cancer, and knows the gifts that I walk in, knows I'm pastoring a church, knows I'm a man of faith, and don't even ask me to pray for him not one single time. Isn't that amazing? And yet we see God do awesome things. So anyway, I went to the third heaven for them. After he hung up the phone, I thought, God, how awful it is what the devil's done to these people. How awful it is. But they're just one of thousands, millions, that don't believe this book. If you believe this book, if you don't believe this book and you don't inquire of the Lord... What happened to a man with a simple little problem with his feet? He died. You reckon God was able to heal him? So why didn't he call on the Lord? Now then, when the Lord says we have departed from the faith, let me tell you what I've learned about faith. When I think about what faith really is, faith is knowing and trusting the Word of God. Number one, Here's another place where the church has missed it when it comes to faith. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 said, Your faith worketh by what? Love. You know what that means? Faith worketh by love. If you walk in love, how do you treat your mate as a man? Are you good to her? Amen. I mean, you're good to her, right? That don't mean you can take her out and beat up on her once in a while, right? Oh, you don't think so, brother? You wouldn't like it if you did, would you, young lady? <laughs> no, let me tell you. This is what we don't understand. Usually the woman is the weaker vessel. In most cases. So when the man gets angry and beats up on his wife, guess who he opens the door to? And he's bigger than you and me, isn't he, Wendell? You remember that. You treat that lady with love and respect, right? Regardless of what she says. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, there is times, and he's young yet. He hasn't lived where I've lived yet. But some of you men that are old as I am have lived with a woman a lot of years in your life, and you know there's, in some women's life, there are certain times of the month there ain't nothing you can do to please her. I don't care what it is. So you walk in love all the time. 
There's just things that happen in a woman's body, and some of them. But it only happens technically in those that don't know what faith is. I think about this young woman the other day. She was 30-something. 30, 30 I forget how old she was. Early 30s. Never been married. And I was teaching her sister, which young woman also, which had cancer. I was teaching her how to get healed. And as I'm teaching her, I'm telling her, the thing you've got to know is it requires obedience and walking in love. I said, now you need to tell me about your past life. By the time she got through telling me about her past life, where she had lived and what she had done, she now knew why she had cancer. She now knew why she had cancer. She realized she had not been obedient to God's Word, and she had no concept of the fact that her sin is what brought sickness and disease upon her flesh. But I've come to realize most people in the church don't know that. I didn't know that for a lot of my life, but I know it now. I now know that your disobedience is a direct result of sin. Well, this young woman, she said, I wished I'd have met you ten years ago, and you would have been able to tell me these things. I said, yes, ma'am, I could have saved you all of this problem. But as I'm teaching her and showing her what she needed to do to repent, to get rid of the sickness and disease and to get healed, her sister just sitting there listening. She's totally well, it appears. And as she listened to me teach God's Word with the dominion and authority that we've been given as obedient sons and daughters of God, this young woman, she locked on to something. And a few months later when I saw her, she said, Mr. Scrivener, I've got to tell you something. I said, what's that young lady? She said, when you were ministering to my sister, she said, I started out as a young woman having, when I started out with my monthly cycle, said it wasn't long until I started developing cramps. And so I told some of my uh, older sisters in the Lord that I was experiencing cramps, and they said, oh, that's just normal people. We don't believe this book. These women are in church. This woman's on fire for Jesus. She goes to a church. She goes to an Assembly of God church. And it's amazing what we don't pick up about faith. But I've been there and done it. So she said, I bought into that and said, over the years, from the time I was an early teenager until now in my early 30s, my cramps have got worse and worse. But she said, after I heard you talk the other day, I thought, you know, I don't have to have this. So she said, the next time I had a cycle and the cramps started, I immediately said, Lord, I have all my sins confessed. I am your daughter. I am rebuking the enemy that's put, doing this to me, and I'm commanding those pains and those cramps to stop in the name of Jesus. And she said, they stopped immediately. And she said, I have not had another cramp or a pain and said, I've had three cycles since I saw you last time. Now, see, we, we have departed from the faith. We are like I was most of my life. I didn't know what faith was. I mean, these promises that we have are so awesome in this book. The promises are there. Just think. Lord, why have I been sick and afflicted so long? And the Lord says, because of your unbelief. And you say, Lord, I repent of my unbelief. And you get healed just like that. Isn't that amazing? Unbelief 
is an evil heart. That's the way God sees it. And whenever we, as men, abuse our wives, God opens the door to the demonic world and puts a curse upon us as his children. I think about what a great man of God, in fact, I'll tell you his name, because I sat at a table with him and he told me this himself. Some of you may know John Paul Jackson. But John Paul Jackson sat at dinner with me here a while back. He and I was discussing some of these things, and he knows almost as much about healing as I know about dreams and visions. That's nothing. <laughs> you see how a minister can be, have revelation in one area and none in another. I don't, I don't have any revelation hardly at all on dreams and visions. Virtually none. But he knows, he knows, he's got all kinds of revelation, but he don't know nothing about healing. Not anything. I mean, virtually nothing. I sat across the table and listened to him talk, and I was just dumbfounded at the words that were coming out of his mouth about healing. I thought, wow. He told me about it. said, I come home from Europe the other day, and he says, uh, I got upset at my wife. He said, the yard hadn't been mowed, and I'd been gone three weeks. And I said, honey, why didn't you mow the yard? Now, he's been gone three weeks. When he came in, he should have been loving her. You know, should have been holding her, kissing her, telling her how beautiful she was. All these kinds of things that are walking in. Why didn't you mow the yard? <laughs> that would be your answer, wouldn't it, honey? I don't have a lot more. She said she didn't have time or something like this. And so he said, I got angry at her and said, okay, then I'll just go do it myself. So he gets a lot more and goes after her and starts mowing the yard. He don't make but about a round, and he picks up a piece of steel and slams it through his leg and rips his leg wide open. Blood's gushing. He stops the lawnmower and goes to the doctor. They take nine stitches in his leg. Nine. Cuts a pretty good-sized hole in his leg. On the way home, he said, I asked the Lord, Lord, why me? That is a very dangerous question to ask. The Lord says, because of your disobedience to your wife. Because of the way you treated your wife, you opened a door to the devil, and the devil is a legalist, and he got you. You know, if every man believed that, he would treat his wife with kid gloves. What can you do to the devil if, he's, if you're turned over to him legally? You can't touch him. If a curse of God comes upon you because of your disobedience... You're in big trouble. And all these things comes upon us because of our disobedience. And nobody gets away with it. Now then, I want us to go to Proverbs. And we're going to read a little bit here in Proverbs chapter 4. Hear ye children the instructions of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved inside of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. That's the very first indication there. He taught me also and said unto me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and you will live. So what if you don't keep his commandments? 
you'll die. There's always a flip side. Get wisdom, get understanding, and forget it not. How many people have you heard in your life say, gee, I studied long and hard to get this, but I forgot more about that subject than I used to know. Anybody ever heard somebody make that stupid statement? Here a while back I was working with some, a bunch of professional refrigeration people on doing a project. And one of the men made that statement. I said, you know, he was, he was even a couple years older than me. And I said, you know, I would have expected you to have known that. Oh, he said, well, I used to know that kind of stuff. But I said, I, I, I forgot so much about it. He said, I probably forgot more about air conditioning than most refrigeration guys know. I said, I'm going to tell you what. I would never make a statement like that. I said, I have studied refrigeration, and I'm going to tell you, I still remember everything I ever learned, and I'm continuing to learn every day. He said, nobody can remember everything. I said, oh, yes, you can. I said, I have the mind of Christ, and it's not anything I've ever learned that's gone. It's all still in there. And I said, I can recall it because I am a son of God, and nothing's impossible with me. Now, if you go through life with that kind of an attitude, what can you do? You can do anything. Because the king said, you have what you say with your mouth. So what you say with your mouth is very, very important. So don't say something unless you want it to come to pass. Because it will come to pass. It's just like somebody says, oh, would you pray for me? I just know I'm coming down with cancer. I said, what makes you think you're coming down with cancer? Well, I don't know. My mother and my sister died with cancer, and I'm getting older, and I just know that if they had it, it's probably going to come up on me. And you don't have any symptoms, and you're already claiming it? Let me tell you, you've got a problem. You're going to get it. The devil's going to see to it that you're going to get it. He's going to be there to oblige you. He said, get wisdom, get understanding, and forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep you. What? Wisdom and understanding. Wisdom. Wisdom is the most powerful thing you can get. Knowledge. I gain knowledge by going to school. I gain knowledge by reading the Word of God. But where does any man get wisdom? From God. And how do you get it? You ask. And when you ask, you must believe you receive. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge you have. That's what wisdom is. I've seen people that had PhDs that didn't have enough wisdom to come in out of the rain when it was raining. And then I've seen people that had no education at all that had a lot of wisdom with what little bit of knowledge they have. And they're smarter than the guy that had the PhD. Some of y'all seen that, haven't you? So if you've got a good understanding and good knowledge about any kind of subject, seek God for the wisdom that goes with that project so you can be the best at what you do there is. You know, you can't do it, but you can't get it without prayer and praying in faith, asking God to give you this kind of wisdom. I had a man, a pastor 10 years older than me, make a statement to me the other day, and don't get me wrong, I am not patting myself on the back. This guy made this statement to me. And it blew me away. This guy made a statement to me that absolutely shocked me. I mean, and especially since he's a pastor and been a great pastor of a great church for many years. He took me to dinner the other day, and he and I were sitting there having lunch. And he looked over at me and he said, Thurman, 
I am 77 years old. He said, I have had a many a man of God teach me, and I've listened to him, and I've had him preach in my church, and I've been in many churches in my life. But he said, I have listened to you preach and listened to your teaching, and he said, I have never seen a man that has the depth of understanding of God's Word that you have. I thought, wow, wow, God, what have you done? And I thought, Lord, I have sought you hour after hour after hour, and I have pleaded with you to give me knowledge and wisdom and understanding of your word. And I've laid awake at night for two and three hours at a time from two, three or four or five in the morning, just like this morning, in the wee hours of the morning, I was laying there asking God, Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge and understanding from your word. That's my desire. I want to know how to open the scriptures to your people. I want to be able to explain the scriptures to them. And I thought, Lord, you've done that. You have opened my understanding beyond my wildest dreams. But I've asked for that. And I've asked you to do it. And you're doing it. And with the tapes and stuff you're giving me, you're taking those things, you're anointing them with the Holy Ghost and power, and you're changing people's lives that listen to these tapes. Changing their lives. It blows me away. The reports we get back on a daily basis about the revelation people got listening to these tapes. Isn't that amazing? I'm reading out of the same book all these other preachers are. What is wrong? I don't know. Maybe they're not seeking God for this kind of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. What can we do with this wisdom when we get it, Dave? Awesome things, can't we? Yeah. It's awesome things. Just like Brother Drysdale. When he got the wisdom of what to do and about how to catch himself up to the third heaven. I mean, I've had big name pastors say, where in the world do you get this thing of going to the third heaven? It's not in the Bible. I said, well, I have to disagree with you. I said, Paul went to the third heaven. Jesus went to the third heaven. Jesus went to the throne of grace and put his blood on the altar. I said, and Jesus told us by the Holy Spirit in Hebrews 4.16 to come boldly into the throne of grace anytime I want to come up there. So where do you think the throne of grace is at? Except in the third heaven. I never thought about that. I said, well, that's just the way I see it. That's just like the revelation God gave me the day when I'm approaching the throne of grace when he showed me this scene of this court. Here's the judge of the universe sitting on the bench. And at his right hand is the best attorney in the universe, which is our lawyer, Jesus. And standing at his left hand is the next best attorney, which is the devil, Lucifer. And when I approach the throne of grace, I'm approaching a court of law in the most powerful judicial system in the universe. And when I step in there, if i got a sin to my credit that's not been put under the blood, I'm in trouble. Because guess who knows it? Everybody in that room. God the Father knows it. Jesus knows it. And the devil knows it. Because that little demon that was sitting right beside you when you committed that sin, that demon, he transmitted that information to Lucifer and he knows everything you've ever done. He's got a good hold on it. So when you go into the throne of grace, you better go in there with your sins confessed. If you go in there with your sins confessed, 
What can you get from the third heaven? Just exactly what Brother Drysdale did. It blew him away that in a matter of hours after approaching the throne of grace, God moved upon the heart of his 19-year-old son and brought him into the kingdom of God. Is that awesome or is that awesome? I've done that many times. How do you think I can teach it to you? Because God revealed it to me. And I did it and I went in there. And when I went in there, I've seen it happen over and over and over. Just like he said, now he's seen it once. Guess what kind of trouble the devil's in in his house now? He'll get all of his loved ones saved. You know, the devil hates it. He hates it when we learn these things. Because he knows we become the winner. And he's no longer able to blind our minds to these wonderful things. It's awesome. Then it says, wisdom is the principal thing. If that's a principal thing, we need to be seeking God for wisdom, don't we? Get this wisdom. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all your getting, get understanding. <laughs> with all of your getting. Not part of it. All of it. Then he says, Exalt her, and she shall promote you. She shall bring you to honor when you do embrace her. She shall give to your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to you. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. I don't know about you, but I'd like to have many years, wouldn't you? What does that mean if you don't get this understanding? Your life will be few. How many people do you know that don't get it? I mean, I'm talking about the church. Now, I'm not talking about the world. The world, they have no idea what's going on. They are totally taken at captive, taken captive by the devil, taken at his will, and he deceives them as he will. And there's, it's just awesome, absolutely awesome what's going on. But when you get a hold of the battle, the war that's going on, you will change the way you do business. You'll start praying. You'll start being careful what you say and do. There'll be so many things you'll change. Because when you see people in the church that are sick or afflicted, or their children are sick or afflicted or handicapped, you know there's sin in the camp because it says so in this book. This book clearly says that if you will be obedient, He's talking about me too. He says, if you will be obedient and take care of everything I tell you to do in my word, I will bless you and the fruit of your womb. But he goes right on another step says, but if you will not, if you will be disobedient, the Lord's curse will come upon you and your children. Some of us found this out too late. Some of us found this out too late. Some of us sowed our wild oats. Some of us brought our children into the world out of wedlock. Some of us learned this too late. Some of our children are sick and afflicted and handicapped, and some of their children are sick and afflicted and handicapped because we didn't heed this mighty word. We didn't know it. But he still holds you accountable for it. And he promises it to you. But he said, if you will hear and receive my sayings, the years of your life shall be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When, when you go, your steps shall not be straightened, and when you runneth, they shall not stumble. 
take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is your life. Enter not into the paths of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. How many people take that path? Do you know today we are building prisons and hospitals at an alarming rate? And you know why it is? Because we as a nation have got away from God. Until the church comes back and is not ashamed of her king and begins to proclaim this God that we serve, we're going to continue to go downhill. And somewhere along the line, if we don't change then this nation will be destroyed. It will happen. It's already started. You know, it started a couple of years ago in New York City. But if we don't repent, the church doesn't repent and start walking holy before God, not only will sickness and disease and things continue to come throughout the church, we will not be able to walk in divine health, but it will continue just like it is in the nation. And I'm telling you, Maybe I was raised at exactly the right time of history. I remember whenever the very first movie came out, it was one little three-letter word used in a movie. Everybody swallowed their tongue. Gone with the wind. One little tiny three-letter word right at the end of the movie, and everybody in there liked to swallow their tongue. One word of profanity. A little three-letter word. But today, you can't turn that beast on. I would not turn a television on other than if it was a Christian channel. I wouldn't turn that thing on because there ain't nothing you can see on it that's fit to go into my being. I don't watch it at all. If it's not some kind of Christian teaching, I don't watch television. I don't listen to the radio. I haven't in years. I'm not going to listen to the trash that's on there today. You know? And, I, and of course, if I'm anywhere around people... I try to take authority over the evil spirits everywhere I am so I don't hear any trash where I am. But the Lord says, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. That's good instruction for you and me today. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and they drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. That's you and me. The way of the wicked is as darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. My son or my daughter, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, and keep them in the midst of your heart. If, if they're in the midst of your heart, where will they come out? Your mouth. For they, these words of God, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. You like that, don't you, Terry? It's wonderful to walk in health and know that you're an obedient daughter for a change, isn't it, girl? You were, in other words, you were just like me. For years, you didn't know what faith was, did you, girl? If I'd ask you, you know what faith is? Are you walking obedience to work? Because you're going to church every Sunday, aren't you? I mean, yeah, sure. She said, yes. 
Do you have all your sins confessed? Yes, I'm even going to Christian counseling trying to make sure we got everything straightened up. She was doing everything she could, but you hadn't hit the, the little point, had you? But you finally did, didn't you? And when she finally found out, who would have ever dreamed that just a little tiny unforgiveness toward a woman's husband would create such a problem between her and him and all their children? It was pretty big. It, oh, it was pretty big? Yeah. Okay. Well, to, to me, it's peanuts, see? Because here's the thing. When you look at what Jesus did for you, what Frank did to you was a teeny tiny little speck. You see where I'm coming from? I know, it didn't feel like it to you, is it? But because of that unforgiveness, it cost you a miserable several years of your marriage and cost you a miserable condition with your children and you couldn't get your kids healed. When you repented and got right with God, it put your marriage back together and healed all of your children. Who would ever dream that unforgiveness could do such a thing? Now, if the church gets a hold of what this book says and believes what this book says, you know how much unforgiveness there'll be in the church? None. There ain't nothing nobody can ever do to you again, is there, Terry? In other words, those offenses ain't coming to you no more, are they? In other words, isn't it amazing when God says these things, He says, i got a little something wrong. I'm going to stop right there for a second and I'm going to read something I might put on an outline. This comes out of Psalms 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. In other words, that verse means something to you now, doesn't it? You love that. Psalms 119.67. Now see, that's not just for Terry. I'm not pointing her out or singling her out. This is for every one of us. God's no respecter of person. Before I was afflicted, before I was afflicted, or before I got sick, I went astray. You, went, you go astray first, don't you? And then the affliction comes. But now then, I keep your word. I mean, whenever we learn these things, there was another one in this somewhere I wanted, I happen to remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures in Psalm 119.89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Amen. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. You can't change it. I can't change it. God has made it. He made the owner's manual, the rule book, and he put it in place before the foundations of the world. And he said, now this is going to be the rules that my earth is going to run under. And so it's, he, he can't change it. And I am glad he can't change it. Then he says... In verse 92, he says, Unless your law had been my delight, I would, have, I would then have perished in my affliction. How did this man learn this? In other words, the law of God was his delight. He was studying the Word of God. And so by studying the Word of God and hearing it, one day after the affliction came upon him, he realized that the problem was there in the Word. Now, sometimes you have to ask God. Sometimes you're in the Word and you still don't know what the answer is. Sometimes you think you're walking in belief. Sometimes you think you're walking holy before God. And whenever a sickness or a disease or something comes upon you or you get injured at work or whatever and you get hurt and you're down for a long period of time 
and you can't seem to get healed, and you wonder, Lord, why me? And if you ask the Lord, why me? And he reaches right up out of heaven and speaks to you and says, the reason you're down with your sickness is because of your unbelief of my promises. Do you know that's where most of the church is living today? In unbelief. I mean, I think about the people that called me all over the place that want me to go by, if I'm somewhere, if I'm in New Mexico or East Texas or Oklahoma or wherever I am, and somebody hears them there, they'll call me and say, Thumbna, while you're within 100 miles of Oklahoma City, would you run by over and pray for my mother? She's in the hospital in Oklahoma City. Why can't you pray for her? You know, why can't you pray the prayer of faith? Are you supposedly attached to the same God I am? Why is it that we have no faith in our faith? Why is that? We don't know who we are. Lack of knowledge. We don't know we're children of the king. Uh, yeah, Thurman or Wendell, those guys, they pray and things happen. Well, why do they happen? Because we learned who we are. I can remember the day when I prayed when nothing happened, and I sure remember the day when he prayed nothing happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. But you prayed to the God of this world. See, we don't understand even who God is, do we, Wendell? No. You didn't. Just a few, and it's only been just a few years ago. I think about what God can do with a person in a shorter period of time if you've got an example to teach you the Word. If you can take the tapes that... God, it took me 30 years to get where this guy's gotten in the last three. But I didn't have a teacher except God. And he didn't talk very often. There's a difference between God and me was Wendell, I talked to him all the time when he was around where I could talk to him. All the time I'm talking to him. He hung on to me. I mean, he, he was like a, I mean, he was, I, I don't even know how what the, the term to use. I couldn't get rid of him. I mean, he was under my coattail. He was hung on to me everywhere I went. Okay, Elijah, Elijah. I mean, he was right there. I'd turn around to stop. If I went to stop and didn't turn on my taillights, he'd bump into me. <laughs> he was right behind me all the time, everywhere I was. I mean, he prayed with me, he fasted with me, he sang with me, he did everything. I could not get rid of this kid. It didn't make no difference. He's the only guy I've ever seen in my life. I invited him to come to work for the ministry, and he moves into my house that night. I can't get rid of him. Never eats with me, sleeps with me, everything. I didn't have a clue I was inviting him a full-time new son. Like right on rice. So there you go. But yesterday, yesterday, when I walked into the healing school, I got there about 15 minutes till, and he's already standing up at the front preaching to about 10 or 15 people, whatever was there. And I stood back there a little while, and I thought, boy, this is good. I don't want to break this up. But I needed to check the mics and everything. I finally waited till 1 o'clock. I went up and said, when have we got to stop? But as I walked up, I thought, you know, what a privilege to see a young man that's teaching the Word like he's teaching, with the power he's teaching, and to think he's my son in the faith. That's just like Paul said, you don't have many fathers, but I'm one of them. And what a privilege to be a spiritual father of a young man that's caught a hold of the Word of God like he has, that's been able to be used like he has. And now then, all I need is about three or four more like him. 
You know, because it's getting to where he's on the phone ten, eight and ten hours a day. You know, he ministers to people. That's his job. Out there at the ministry center, that's all he does is talk on the telephone. He prays for people, gets people healed and delivered over the telephone. Now, if he can pray the prayer of faith for somebody and they're in California or Oregon or Michigan or uh, who knows, wherever, if he can pray the prayer of faith and see God heal a lot of these people or deliver them over the telephone, and God's no respecter of persons, if you will learn the Word of God, what will he do for you? He'll do the same thing for you. See, he started out doing it for me. I mean, I think about all those men that, and women that God healed whenever he brought me into touch with Bill Gothard. I mean, I prayed the prayer of faith from my office out there. Actually, I was still in my home at that time then. But sitting at my desk, I prayed the prayer of faith for Andy Warner, and he was instantly healed, and he was in Chicago. I prayed the prayer of faith for Bob Johnson, the owner of uh, Sky Angel Satellite, after talking to him for an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, getting all his sins confessed, because I knew this guy, although he may be the owner of Sky Angel Satellite, and he's in the Christian business, he still don't have a clue what faith is. Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue what brain sickness and disease. See, he didn't realize that when he got in that court case out there in Colorado, when some people are coming against him with his satellite, and he gets all upset in a courtroom, and guess what he did? It stopped his heart, and he almost died. What does anger do to you? It can kill you. See, if he had really understood the word, he would have never went there, would he? You know? If, if we begin to understand what these spirits are that's doing what they're doing to us, and here's the thing you've got to understand about these spirits. What did our king do to these spirits 2,000 years ago? Whooped them. That's right. That's a good term. He whooped them. He defeated them. He destroyed them. He took away all their power and authority, and over the church, they have no claim to you and me until we give it to them by sin. When we sin, we step over into their world and we give them legal claim. Now then, when you get a hold of the fact, and I don't know how many times I read that verse in 1 Peter 2, 24, and I don't know how many people I've heard quote that. Now we just, we just read right here in the book of Proverbs in 4.20, that my son attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all your flesh. Now then, I like health and long life, don't you? I, I like that. Now then, let me go, and we're going to close up, round up here today on First Peter 2. I want you to see this one more time, what it requires for you to walk in health. And it, it has a requirement. It is not simple. I can assure you the devil will make it very difficult. Because we have departed from the faith. But First Peter 2, probably verse 21. I want you to get these in here. This is what you must do if you want to be healed by the stripes of Jesus. If you want to walk in divine health, have no sickness and disease. Now I've heard a million persons say, the last line of verse 24 says, By the stripes of Jesus you were healed. Okay, but why do you think he put the verses above that in there? And what do you think he put them in there first? He meant for us to read them. In verse 21 he says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, 
leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Was Jesus sick? No. No, he was not sick. He was not weak. He had no pain. He had no nothing. So he said, if he left us an example that we should follow in his steps, he said, here is Christ's example. He did how much sin? No. No sin. So what's the goal for you and me? No sin. People say, but Thurman, I can't possibly live without sinning. Well, now you're listening to the devil instead of the word. Because if Jesus left you an example to follow, that in him there was no sin, and that's the example you're supposed to follow, our king would never tell you to do something that was impossible for you to do. Is that true? So the devil will make it difficult for you, but is it an obtainable goal? Of course it is. Yeah. It's an obtainable goal. When you listen to the devil, I mean, when we're talking about people here, when you listen to the devil, like this two beautiful ladies sitting right here on the front, that over the years, sitting right here behind one in front of the other one, both these young ladies listened to the devil. And both these young ladies came down with an incurable disease. And they had it, both of them had it 30 years, two different diseases. And both of them came to a healing school and repented of the sins, and both of them got healed. Is it better to be healed or be better to be down with your back pain, Sharon? Better to be healed. See? So, so we got to know what God's willing to do. If God says no sin, then what's the, the goal from now on, Sharon? And honey? is no sin, right? No sin. Okay. No sin. This is the goal. Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. Now, is that going to be hard for you to do? Oh, that's going to be a very difficult one for you to master. I can assure you. Because it, like I say, somebody told me the other day, why don't we just put, instead of putting nails up here, why don't we put Velcro on it? That way when somebody says something, we can rip the Velcro off and we get them, Ruthie, and then we can put ourselves back up, stick ourselves back up there, right? Well, from the time you rip that Velcro off, when you come down off the cross, you were defeated. You were defeated. That's why I say I want them to put me up there and take a nail gun. I want them to nail me over half inch. That's what it'll take to hold me on that cross. If somebody comes after me, for some reason, you have to realize you have to stay on that cross or you're going to be defeated. Because you're going to have to be careful. Because if there was no guile, no deceit in Jesus' mouth, what does he expect to come out of our mouth? Same thing. Now he says, if we will do that, who, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now so far this is going to be a mouthful for us to accomplish. But we know we can't do it. And then he says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins. Now, if you really are dead to sin, what are you going to do? You're not going to sin. If you are dead to sin, he said, We being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. So that's the goal of the church. Now, if we're dead to sin, if we truly do die to sin, we will live unto righteousness. And then he says, the verse, very last line says what? By his stripes you're healed. So, when you open the door to the devil, you are not healed by the stripes of Jesus no more. Because the devil's going to come in and get you and he's going to make you sick. Now see, if every Christian received Jesus as their healer and they died to sin, and we taught them all these things the day they got saved, we taught them that if their body was sick the day they got saved, their body would be healed that day, 
And from that day forth, they would strive to walk holy before God, and no Christian would ever be sick again after that if they would keep the commandments of God and walk holy with Him and walk in faith. When you walk in faith, you can walk in divine health. If you don't walk in faith, you can't walk in divine health. Now, I'm telling you a truth that set me free 20 plus years ago. And I can't wait till I can say that 40 years ago this truth set me free. But that word right there, sozo, that word sozo, when I received Jesus as my healer, I received him as my Savior at 11, but I received him as my healer at 45. I received him by faith as my Savior at 11. How many years I've been saved since then? Ever since then. I received him as my Savior at 11. I've been saved. But I realize everything has to be done by faith. So since I didn't know those other things, I didn't get none of them. But 20 years ago, I received Jesus as my healer by faith in his word. Never been sick since that day. Wow! Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Now then, if God is no respecter of persons, and I received Jesus as my healer 20 years ago, and I've walked in obedience to his word ever since then, and I've never been sick, what will he do for you if you do the same thing? He'll do the same thing. So get over this deal about, we're, you know, we have to be sick. No, you don't have to be sick. Only if you sin. And your sin of unbelief is enough to make you sick. So we don't want to go there.